Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bible Conversations. We're uh, very excited for this podcast that we've got uh, for y'all today. This is going to be the fourth installment of our Why Am I a Christian series. And uh, we've got a special guest on with us today. Uh, for our hometown listeners here in Keller, um, this is probably somebody that y'all are very familiar with and very excited to hear from again. Uh, for everyone else uh, around the country, um, I th- think you'll still very very well and, and very well, very much enjoy this this episode as well. So we've got Kevin Langford on with us. Uh, Kevin, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us, you know, where you're working, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Appreciate the invite, guys. And I know this is a great work that you guys have undertaken, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to everyone that's listening. So this is my 23, 23rd year of ministry. Uh, started out in Noble, Oklahoma, where I was there four and a half years. And then I was here at the Keller Congregation, where you men now serve, for two months shy of 10 years. And then I have been at the Louisville Congregation uh, ever since. Uh, My role at Louisville is I'm actually worship and education minister. Uh, So what does that mean? That means I lead the singing. That means I organize the men for our worship. I coordinate with whoever's preaching to uh, try to have a cohesive uh, thrust and purpose for our worship. And then on the education piece, I actually work with 22 of what I believe are the the finest uh, coordinators that we have for all of our children's classes, uh, from nursery uh, all the way up through and including our auditorium class, uh, where for the older grades, I actually work uh, heavily with a couple of deacons and elders to help coordinate our our curriculum. So it's uh, definitely a full-time job, definitely keeps us hopping, but really enjoy what I do. Yeah, and I know just in conversations that we've had, Kevin, that the worship is something that you're really, really passionate about. Um, Absolutely, I mean it's why we're called together. Yeah, right? I mean, we're called together to uh, to give glory to God for all the ways He's blessed our lives, and also to to help refuel us. I mean, indirectly as well as we as we uh, worship God, so that we can get our tank full, so we can continue on through the week to continue to serve Him and others. Yeah. Well, um, as y'all see on uh, the podcast topic, we're, we've still got our, our question that we want to ask you, Kevin. Um, why are you a Christian? And uh, I know you, you've got some thoughts that you're going to share with us, and, and along the way we'll, we'll add our comments or questions for you. But we just want to turn it over to you and um, ask you the big question. Why are you a Christian? Yeah, no, I think it's an outstanding question. Uh, and again, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to speak with you guys and, and to your listeners. So as I started thinking about this question— You know, everyone, I believe, comes to Christ in a different way, possibly in a different time. And I'm not talking about through a different gospel, but just in a different means in a different time. And so my story is I grew up in a home with a mother that was extremely faithful, uh, with a father that was raised in in the Lord's church. But after he and my mother married, he didn't feel the need to, uh, to have Christ in his life at all. And so one of three boys raised by a single mom. Uh, we were raised going Sunday morning only. Uh, and so mom would, quote, drag us to church, as some would say. Uh, but whenever I was about five years old, we grew up two blocks from the church building and the joy bus. Those who are older will remember the joy bus. Uh, so the Church of Christ had a bus ministry, came pick, pick me up, and I'd go to Bible class. So that was my first exposure uh, to Bible class. Uh, looking back, I just remember enjoying the crafts and hanging out with people. Um, 
My junior high and high school years were very formative, as they are for everyone. And at that point, uh, I was attending the Noble Congregation. They're in Noble, Oklahoma, just south of Norman there. And every year we went on a mission trip to Lee Summit, Missouri. And we had a orange bus. I will never forget that bus. Uh, and we would take off. There was just a few of us that were able to go. And we would go and we put on a vacation Bible school with an adult gospel meeting, door knock, work projects, etc. Whatever we could do to help that church to enrich them and those in the community. And at, I remember I was 15 years old and we had just gotten back from the mission trip in Lee Summit, Missouri. And I remember one of my friends, they said, you know, Kev, you're 15 now. Why have you not been baptized yet? Why have you not decided to become a Christian? And coming off that spiritual high, you know, like we get when we're at camp and different things we're engaged in, I knew I'd been thinking about it, but that was just that little bit of encouragement that I needed to become a Christian. And I remember distinctly that they were actually, there was a group up there rehearsing to sing at a wedding. And so I had the coolest baptism of anyone because <laughs> went in, you know, made the great confession, uh, made the statement I was willing to repent of my sins. I wanted Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Went down into the water and as I came out, man, I had a choir, my own personal choir, <laughs> as I like to think of it. Uh, that was there. And so uh, it was great. But I remember being 15, I really think that helped me. I want to be clear. I'm not here to put down anyone who decides to become a Christian at the age of 9, 10, 11, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, being older helped me because I was able to, being more mature as I would like to think, to be able to say, look, I just made the great confession. And I remember at that time really reading some different books. Now that I'm a Christian, for example, is one of Mm -hmm. those books that I read. And just taking it more seriously, I think that's helped me. You know, when I look back on 15 years of youth ministry, I think sometimes, even though we have the best intentions as parents, as ministers, as elderships, etc., I think sometimes our young people can take that confession at a point where they know what to say, Yeah. but they haven't always internalized it. They don't know why they're saying it. Exactly. Yeah. And so... Again, how do we decipher that? That's another podcast for somebody else. (laughs) I don't have the answers on that. But I know that was very instrumental for me. Yeah. I think being able to know and, and, you know, there's kind of like you're saying, right? There's a way that you can say the right things and you can have the right words that come out of the mouth. And it, it sounds great, but even someone who can say the right things may not fully understand what it is that they're mm-hmm. saying. And, you know, you were, you were baptized at, at 15 and I was baptized after I was 20. I was mm-hmm. like 21, I believe. And it, I agree. I, I think it's, I think it's helpful just in the sense of having the ability to really know and, and to, to just plant your roots and be able to stand on solid ground and, and not, be swayed because you have the intellectual capability of of holding to it and making a defense for it. So again, like you're saying, you know, not not bashing on anybody that, no, that made the decision all. earlier, um, but you know, because they still have the ability as they get older to 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 build that foundation and to to fully, if they didn't before, to fully understand it. But I think making that decision fully informed, at least to the best of our ability at the time, is is Absolutely. just is huge. Absolutely. 
Well, so let's transition a little bit. You know, that's your early years. Um, but, you know, as Christians, you know, it's kind of a decision. Every single day we wake up, I'm going to, to serve Christ. Um, so can you speak a little bit to that, why you're still a Christian? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I remember years ago, uh, one of my mentors and best friends, Tony Hall, we were sitting down talking and, and he said, you know, Kevin, he goes, I believe there's a, a number of reasons why somebody becomes a Christian. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, most people, when they really boil it down, they just want to go to heaven. Yeah. Right. I mean, they think about, I mean, we read in, in Revelation and other passages about how beautiful heaven's going to be. Um, I can remember losing my first grandparent that I was close to, and, and they did die in the faith. And just that longing to be there with them. Uh, the older we get, that list grows and grows and grows about the number of people that we want to see yeah. again. Uh, I think here, I mean, there's a long list and I'm not going to get into it because I get myself in trouble for leaving people out, but there's a long <laughs> list of people that I knew here in Keller yeah. uh, that have gone on to their eternal reward. Uh, you know, Tony talked about a second motivation, not only is the hope of heaven, but two, it's just the fear of hell. Yeah. You know, I mean, we read there in, in the end of Matthew about, you know, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. I mean, I don't like Texas when it's 108, you know, and, and hearing about the pain and the suffering. And, you know, if you could just dip the tip of your finger in the water and touch my tongue, you yeah. know, and, you know, so that's a real motivator for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned Texas being 108. If somebody offered to dip their finger in water and touch my tongue, I'm like, that's not going to do anything for me. Right. But apparently it's so bad. Yeah. In hell that just that, that little bit of comfort, some relief. That, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and another motivation is, you know, some people feel like they just they're indebted. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, we are right. But they feel like, well, I owe this to fill in the blank. Some people, well, I owe it to my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've taken me to church every day and they maybe they feel pressure from their parents or grandparents or again, fill in the blank. And so they feel like this is something that I have to do so that people will be happy with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I believe is the best motivator that I really want your listeners to think about is the best motivation for anything is because we love somebody. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm faithful is because I genuinely love God and, and I love Jesus and, and I love the church and I love you know, Christians. And, and I just, I just love people. And, you know, through this COVID, you know, situation that we found ourselves, that has become more real to me than ever before is the fact that I need the church. I need people. I need God's people in my life. And so understanding our motivation and even though, yes, heaven, it's a good one. Not going to hell. That's a good one. Doing it for other people. That's a good one, but I believe the best one is because we love God. Yeah. I mean, when I think about it in my marriage, you know, my wife's under a lot of stress right now being a, a public school teacher. Yeah. And so I do everything that I can in the home. Why? Because I love Connor and I love Kenzie, my children. Mm-hmm. I do it because I love my spouse. And so I don't do it begrudgingly. And so when we know our motivation, the overflow of that, it's better. Yeah. It's it's easier. It's without a, a grudge or um, it's just because we love them so much. So I think knowing our motivation uh, and really focusing on that helps us a lot. 
And I think that's a really good point as you bring up motivation because there are some folks who will say, you know, um, well, I might, I might want to become a Christian because I will have a, a better life. And that almost becomes a selfish motivation, you know. And it's so as we talk about motivation, it's not a motivation for myself to have a good life. It's motivation out of, you know, what can I do for other people, the, this service that I can that provide people, you know, be a servant for other people, encourage other people because I love them, you know. Um, it, it's kind of like one thing leads to another. Absolutely. So y'all have anything to add to this? Yeah, you know, um, Paul talked about, you know, the love of Christ controls us or compels us. and uh, But he also talked about how the fear of the Lord, knowing therefore we persuade others. So, you know, heaven, hell, it, it all works together in our life. And I suppose uh, for some of us, it can work certain aspects of it can be more um, emphasized in our life, you know, push us harder, you know. Um, but I guess for you, love was uh, a big uh, pushing factor. It sounds like, is that right? No, absolutely. And I agree with what you're saying, but I just think if we do things out of fear, and I understand Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Sure. You get the yeah. reverence that's there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you think about all of our humanly relationships, if we do things out of fear, yes, we're doing it, but I just don't know if that's necessarily the best way is what I'm trying to convey versus we do it because we, we love, Yeah. you know, if we do it because we're all about the reward heaven, can that be on a somewhat selfish nature? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could debate that, Yeah. you know, again, they're all good, mm-hmm. but I just feel like if we do it things because we love God, because we love his church, because we love people. Uh, I just think that's what's best to motivate us is what I'm trying to do. Yeah, kind of like what John said, you know, perfect love casts out fear. You right. know, and so that, I think that is our aim is we're aiming for that those two great commandments to love God and love one another. And that that is definitely, I would agree with that, our biggest motivation. You know, something that motivation. I think is kind of cool about this is that doing things out of love and the, the power behind that, that's something even children understand, right? I mean, you have two young kids. How many Disney movies do they watch where, you know, true love is the greatest power of all or, or true love's kiss or, or whatever, whatever that is? You know, that's Disney's twist on things. But love really is something that is more powerful than anything else, and even children are able to understand that. Um, I, I don't know. I think what you're bringing up here, Kevin, is really strong and something that, Sometimes we forget that, you know, I do this because I genuinely love God. That, well, yeah. That's why I'm a servant. And if you think about, I think, too, as you think about love, you have to think about the opposite, which is sin. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, just looking back on my own life, this is about you, Kevin, but <laughs> just real quick on this point, you know, I think about how before I was a Christian, you know, there was sin in my life. And what does sin do? Well, sin hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts people. It hurts God. And as you begin to see the impact of sin in your life more and more, if your conscience is pure, you know, and, and, and still good, and you haven't, you know, totally uh, burned it, so to speak, um, I think, I think you, you're, you're compelled to want to change. You want to change. You want to be different. You don't want to just keep hurting people and hurting God and the only way to change is love. Love is mm-hmm. what 
what can, it's the solution. It's the answer. So I want to, if you don't mind, I want to jump in real quick. Um, you know, real quick, what, what Dan's talking about reminded me of Romans chapter 13, verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. You know, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Kevin, as you were talking, you had mentioned, you know, you, you know, your wife is, is, I guess struggling might be the right word, but just with all the pressures of, of public school and you're choosing out of love to do stuff around the house and to help her. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been married now for a little over six months. And one of the things that I am learning is how to push away my own personal, well, I did this, so you should do that type of mentality because it's something that, you know, I kind of grew up, I was an only child, right? So as an only child, you know, well, if I do something, okay, well, somebody else needs to <laughs> jump in. And, and that's just not at all the, the mentality, right? That we, we need to be loving others simply because we love others. Right? There should be no other really rationale. Every other thing should be secondary to that. Uh, that's why the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And so as we talk about why we're a Christian, this idea of loving God, I think you really painted a really applicable example of life and, and how we can do that outside of worship, outside of God, but how it relates to us in real time. You know, we we choose to to do the dishes. We choose to do laundry. We choose to sweep the house. And man, all of those are awful. <laughs> They're just not fun, right? They're not fun. We can do other things that are fun, but... If we don't do them and we have somebody else in the house who is stressed and who is worried and who is anxious, who then sees them and goes, okay, because we know, you know, four of us here being married to, to, to wonderful wives, they're going to do it because they're wonderful, wonderful wives. But if we choose to do it first, that helps. And so as we choose to love God, as we choose to serve God, and that being our first and primary motivation I really think that's, I don't know, I got me thinking a lot about, you know, ways in which I can improve. And I, I try and improve daily anyway, but it's, it's always good to, you know, have things put into perspective. And um, so anyway. And Chris, you think about it. Every sin involves some level of selfishness. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And so if we can truly die to ourselves and take up the cross daily. Yep. It truly does change things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it easy. And that's and I think that's one of the things that you know I kinda wanna get out here as well is when we first become Christians, we're very basic in our understanding and our knowledge and our actions, right? We we are definitely we should sin more at the beginning than we do at the end of our Christian walk. Like mm-hmm. that's just the reality. And becoming a Christian should be something that changes our lives and that we should continually get better at, right? It's, it's, it's a process. It's a journey. And knowing the motivation behind that journey makes everything just that much easier. I'll tell you something else that has helped me remain faithful is I had what I believe is one of the best youth groups that I was a part of as a teen, you know, growing up, um, grew up in a small congregation, um, I love small congregations. I love big congregations, but I just have a kind of a special soft spot for, for smaller congregations mm-hmm. because you just get so many tight knit relationships 
is you're yeah. constantly serving together. You don't have time for pew warmers, right? Everybody's <laughs> got to be involved to, to pull off whatever the, the ministry event is. But, you know, to this day, I mean, I graduated high school in 93. Uh, to this day, I could call up Christy and Misty, and I could call up Tanya, and I could call up Shane, and I could call up David. And the list goes on and on and on of young, you know, other peers that were part of my youth group. And not to say we were perfect, not to say the one of us got along, but even now, I could still call them up. And what's also exciting is, you know, we're part of Reach Week, our, yeah. our church camp. You know, some of them are actually out of camp with us now. <laughs> That's cool. But the fact that I was blessed with just a group of peers that love me in spite of my flaws— Mm-hmm. and that we still have those relationships. That's what I always wanted for teens when I was a youth minister. That's what yeah. I want for teens now. But yet it seems like they're just splintered in so many different directions. And and it's it saddens me. But if I truly believe that if I did not have that support system of other teenagers to be my peer support group, I really think I would have walked away. You know, I, I tell people even now, it's like I got into ministry, which I'll talk about here in just a minute. But I got into ministry because I love God in the church. But I've stayed in it because of relationships. Yeah. And then the second thing, you know, you talk about the, the good examples that we have. But I've been reading, um, in fact, I preached uh, two weeks ago over Second Timothy chapter 3. And in Second Timothy 3, the first nine verses, I mean, Paul was very clear of, look, you need to stay away from Type, these types of people that have this, these specific characteristics in the first nine verses. And I refer to it as trying to navigate the moral sewer. <laughs> and it's out there. Yeah. I mean, the selfishness, the, the deceit and conceit, and just the viciousness that's out there. Um, but I don't know if we really take seriously the ability and the impact that people can have on our own lives. And so while I'll say I have a lot of acquaintances, if you really boil it down to the number of people that I consider friends, where the the shields are down, the armor is off, people can see the true me, that's a much smaller group. Yeah. But I've been very I've tried to be very selective in who I consider a friend because I want to make sure I have good, godly people influencing me. Yeah. That I have people that are going to call me out when I mess up, love me through the fall, but build me up hand in hand, step by step together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, along with that, you know, Chris, you mentioned is, is we have a little bit of time about our spouse. And, you know, I was older when I got married, uh, but I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted somebody who loved God, if not as much, more than I did. I didn't want an ankle weight in my life. I wanted somebody that was going to say, look, let's pass a baton. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And so I've always loved the expression, you know, when an Ephesians 5 man, a man who loves his wife as Christ loves the church, Mm -hmm. marries a Proverbs 31 woman. Guys, that's a powerful thing. And y'all know that, right? You young bucks over here, y'all are are (laughs) learning that, but you already know that. Yeah. And to be able to find that person that will help. And, and sadly, I know there's going to be some listeners that, that maybe your spouse isn't as faithful as you need. And I will say, continue praying for them. I mean, the scriptures are clear on that. 
live the life of Jesus, model the gospel in their lives as much as you can. But I just think the relationships that we have, I think that can go, can sometimes be overlooked, both positive and negative, and how that truly influences us. And that is one thing that has really helped me to remain faithful is just the relationships that I have in my life. I was actually, that, that maybe this is something we need to address too, because we've been doing this series for a little while, and I don't know if we've really addressed this question, but I think it's it's so important. Uh, and I think you you might be the perfect person, Kevin, because um, we, we were uh, actually just having you know an interview with uh, our our pulpit uh, preacher Corey Collins, and you know him, of course. You guys oh, yes, have a special yeah. uh, relationship and connection man. there. And he was really commending you in that podcast as well, because you know uh, you guys uh, here at Keller, uh, you know you had this transition time, and you were really carrying the ball as, as, as he spoke, you know, and uh, just really appreciated the work that you had done. But that must have been a really stressful time. And so, you know, if, if we've been a Christian for any amount of time, we've experienced difficult relationships in the church, you know, the kind of relationships that make you just get on your knees and cry because it's so stressful. And I know that you've probably gone through that. And actually, you just mentioned, you know, there's times like if it hadn't been this or that, I would have been out of this thing. And, and you know, you meet uh, a lot of people who uh, are no longer coming to church and they'll tell you one, one of the most common things I hear is, well, you know, to people at the church, they just can't deal with it. Hypocrite. You know, I can't deal with it anymore. And, and so in a way, you've kind of already answered um, this, you know. Uh, avoidance and marrying, but maybe um, maybe you could speak on that and just kind of maybe a point by point even or you know just a, here's a few things some practical tips you know just and how you've been able to work some that practical and, tips of how to deal with difficult people what is well, exactly is the question well you know how have you managed to stay faithful but still have to deal with the ugly side with, of church with the ugly side and not be pushed just out all so, it is. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Whenever I get around people, well, let me back up. We've, I think we've all heard the expression that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can go into it, working with the church through that lens, I think that will help us a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of times our mentality is, well, I'm just going to, they're angry, they're, they're not nice, they're being ugly to people, whatever, and we just want to avoid them completely. And I think if we will show them some, uh, some grace, if we will show them some compassion, I mean, we see Jesus all the time dealing with ugly, nasty sinners, right? Yeah. The Pharisee, oh, why are you associating with these people? And on the yet, cross. Yeah, but yet him. Jesus was constantly a man who was full of compassion and love. And so, in fact, I talked with a good friend this morning about this aspect. I think the biggest issue in our world, and this does tie in with the church, Daniel, is we're so set on our ways and setting up on our soapbox that we're not willing to listen to people. Mm. I mean, I find it interesting that the extreme right politically and the extreme left politically are both calling each other kind of the same name. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, and I'm not going to get into politics with all that. I do have my personal perspectives as everyone else does, but if we would just come to the table and talk, 
And I think, so tying to the church, I feel like just being willing to sit down and just let people vent, let people know that you still love them no matter what, um, it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I mean, a cup of coffee and two people sitting out at a table together goes a long way. Yeah. And so there's that aspect. Um, Avoidance, I think, is horrible. I mean, we've got this whole cancel culture going on now, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't believe we should cancel everybody. I do think there's times there's certain people I have to hide for a little bit until I can gain my strength back up. You know what I mean? But I think just this, well, and just kind of discarding people, I think is a horrible mentality. Uh, I've seen ugly in church. And I have a feeling you have too, Daniel. You young guys, if you haven't already, you will. Uh, And I can't say too much. Uh, because I don't want to bring up, you know, things that other people may know exactly what I'm talking about. But there have been several times that as I would get in the car and cry. I would get in the car after preaching my heart out. And as soon as there was an amen, sin was rampant. Verbal sin, gossip, slander. But what it was is it was hurt people that were hurting people. And so I think, again, this is a big subject, yeah. but kind of a short and sweet answer. I just think we've got to be willing to understand that people are hurting. Mm-hmm. We've got to gear up our strength and just truly minister to them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also have to understand that Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares. Some people are tares. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to discern. That's why we know Jesus will handle that in the judgment. We still need to minister to people, but I think we also have to understand that we personally, sometimes we can only do so much. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Love them through it. Be compassionate. Don't avoid them. But understand we can only do so much. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up a lot of things that, you know, could let us keep talking for a long time. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to, to mention is you were talking about, you know, dealing with people is conversation. And that's actually kind of why we started this podcast because it's called Bible conversations. You know, it's not, it's not Bible lessons. It's not uh, Bible preaching. You know, we're not wanting to, to talk down to anyone. We're not wanting to, um, to tell people, Hey, it's our way or the highway. We're the ones that that know the Bible. We want to have conversations, which is why we have guests on, which is why we um, are sitting at a table. (laughs) Exactly. With with a cup of coffee. (laughs) Um, but which is why we encourage even our listeners to, to send us questions, to send us their, their comments so we can have these conversations. And, um, that's just one example that, that I use, but like you're saying is when you're, you're dealing with people. And I think Dan's original question was, how do you stay faithful when people, you know, try to not intentionally, but try to make you unfaithful? How do you stay faithful? Well, you know, we have to remember Philippians 4.13, which a lot of times is taken out of context, but we do it through Christ and through the, the strength that he gives us. Um, you know, the, the, the love that we have for God is, was your first point, that that's why I'm a Christian. But when we love God, we're going to, to love our neighbor. We're going to, to be able to, to make it through things. Love bears all things. But when we do make through things, Christ gives us the strength to be able to do that, whether it's in the good or the bad and the ugly, you know. Kevin, could you, real quick, before we kind of wrap up, could you kind of just sum up everything that we've kind of talked about and and 
just really one more time, why is it that you're a Christian? Just kind of bring this back to the, the original question. Um, did you go ahead and do that for us? Absolutely. I think of the word Shema, uh, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think, you know, through ministry, when things get tough, and again, we're all ministers. I want to be very clear on that. But even though we get hurt, you know, go and serve. Keep serving. Keep studying. Keep growing. But also understand that we ourselves have sinned and we fall short. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, um, what is it, uh, one, one beggar helping another beggar, showing them where there's bread. You know, something like that, yeah. you know, trying to help somebody else out. And so, um, you know, and then I guess bottom line is I'm just so stubborn that you know, I'm not going to allow anyone to pull me away from Christ. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, I mean, just focusing on him and, and just the Shema of just truly loving God. Let that be our motivation. And when we love God, we're going to serve and we're going to study. And we're going to do all those things, but not doing it alone, doing it to our neighbor, which is everyone, and trying to help them in their walk with Jesus as well. Yeah. Well, this has been a really good discussion, Kevin. Um, Thank y'all for, um, or thank you for coming on here. Uh, Chris, Dan, appreciate y'all discussing this with us. Um, Just all around, really encouraging. Um, So anyways, we appreciate all of our listeners, and we'll uh, see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook and share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.